Hello everyone and welcome to Millennial Rewind, where we take a not-so-sentimental look at the movies and TV shows that were around when millennials were growing up. I'm your host, Nick, coming to you from the buying expensive boots with daddy's credit card capital of the world, Los Angeles, California. And joining me here in the City of Angels is my co-host, Jules. Jules, how are you doing today? Well, I've been laughed out of job interviews since I was 18, so... Did that happen again recently? Is that is that why you're bringing that up? <laughs> And coming to you from the suicidal albino man washing windshields outside of Port Authority of Southern California, the Inland Empire, is my other co-host, John. John, what's happening? Oh, I'm subtly sabotaging your personal happiness to make everything about me. Ho, 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 ho. Who could you possibly be talking about? <sighs> Take your pick. There's at least three options. <laughs> oh, but before we get started, if you like what you hear today, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. Also, be sure to share the show with anyone you think might like to listen as well. So we watched the first season of the wildly popular 90s sitcom Friends. And John, how would you tell somebody you watched the first season of Friends without using the title? <laughs> no one told us that that joke was going to be that way and jules if the producers had asked you to come up with a different title for this show what would it be the self-esteem killers wait as in their lives are killing your self-esteem or they're killing their own self-esteem they are Where? murderers of self-esteem as the show will prove they just they just stab each other with self-esteem blows that was option two for how you doing right there <laughs> <laughs> so much sarcasm like for the first season these characters all speak with the same voice essentially basically not rachel right like anyone who's not rachel is making snarky comments over the run of the show the characters got more defined and you know chandler's the snarky one ross is the dorky one phoebe's the weird one but yeah no, they're all Chandler at this they're point. They're all Chandler for the first season. It is, yeah. I mean, Matthew Perry is just really good at being snarky and sarcastic, so he definitely outshines the others in that department, I think. But yeah, they are all, like, even Joey's giving massive snarky comments in this one, and he eventually, they, they transform him into, like, the really, really dumb one. Yeah, honestly, though, you know, as much as we, well, you guys have been criticizing the first season, I still think it's far superior to the later seasons. They just became caricatures. It was like really unfunny. I'm interested in keeping the show on in the background because just watching the first and last episode, I had a lot of questions. So I did that and I only got about halfway through the first season. And a large chunk of what I remembered about the show was in these like first 12 episodes. <laughs> I can't recall how much of this show I've actually seen. I know it was at least the first, you know, two or three seasons probably. But beyond that, I really stopped paying attention to it. Oh, we were huge fans of Friends back in back in England. The whole family, they just watched it religiously. And I, I kind of feel like we don't need to tell people about how huge Friends was because, at least in England, it was the show for, like, so long. It was the one that introduced me to casual dating sex, excessive coffee drinking, <laughs> and it perpetuated the myth that your friends are always there for you, um, which I thought was interesting. Uh, I'm taking that personally. Friends. Go ahead and take that really personally. Oh, just the reality <laughs> is, is that your friends have lives of their own. <laughs> Being there for you doesn't mean they're at your beck and call. <laughs> 
okay. I clearly didn't like lay out my conditions of friendship early on. <laughs> We're gonna have to have an offline conversation about this because wow, we are wildly out of sync. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this was huge in South Africa, too. Like, this was, you know, 90s TV shows, South Africa got them, and it was huge. Everyone watched it. Everyone liked it. I remember enjoying it. Gun to my head, you know, years later, I couldn't tell you what the hell happened. <laughs> Even the finale was massive. Like, I was in boarding school when this happened, and in my boarding house, the TV room was just packed. Like, everyone who could be there to watch the last episode crammed into the TV room to watch the finale of friends when was that even 2004 so this this ran from 1994 to 2004 yeah it's had a 10-year run oh i had long past given up on it by 2004 (laughs) (laughs) we were just discussing this before the podcast how many turns of phrases and lines have become so iconic in our just everyday vernacular phrases like here's the thing or you're in the friend zone or you know joey's how you doing or we were on a break you know all these all these lines that that just everyone knows smelly what you're cat. talking about. Smelly cat, smelly cat, exactly oh, that song. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I'm getting flashbacks. So this was filmed at Warner Brothers. And when I was a tour guide there, this was a major part of the tour because they have, and I'm sure they still do have somewhere, the central perk set. So you would take guests in and they would sit on one of the three couches they had made for the show and you took pictures of them and had to tell them to not walk past the couch into the actual set. No, you got to get back, sir. Please, God, I'm going to get fired. That must have just been a joy every day. (laughs) Nothing kills your soul faster than working in customer service the it's general good. public yeah that's <laughs> so true humanity is the worst it was a mistake and we make this mistake every day we let humanity continue I, i've known people who've worked in customer service and my favorite line was 95 percent of them just want money they just want free shit <laughs> they'll try to yep. find any excuse to try to convince you that they deserve free shit and the other five percent are actually people who need help well then you have like the point one percent that are like me where it's just like here i am that no this is the thing i want there's the money bye i don't <laughs> want you to try and sell me anything i'm not gonna try and make a deal on this let's just be done with it exactly <laughs> so now the st- the sound stage where they filmed friends it's now known as the friend stage they have a metal plaque up on that sound stage at warner brothers they filmed like fucking what was that show with melissa mccarthy the sitcom wouldn't know yeah it was no some idea. chuck lorry show that was not worthy uh like like yeah friends was way better than that show two and a half men <laughs> no not two and a half men that was actually across the the waves like right opposite the friend stage is where two and a half men was that was the second worst stage to bring people to so yeah everything except for the london episodes filmed in los angeles not a single thing that wasn't like the exterior shots was filmed in la including the fountain i have been to this fountain it is not on the warner lot proper it is on what's called the ranch so it's like a separate thing they have like a bunch of fake houses and streets there and part of that is this fountain so yeah that fountain is in burbank well we'll get to my issues with the fountain when we get there (laughs) fair enough so yeah i mean huge show i've definitely watched it all the way through i think it was either when i was unemployed or the pandemic something i just watched it or like first to last season. I've watched it a couple of times all the way through. Yeah. It, it's some of it was out of curiosity, some of it is when you're exceedingly stressed. It is 
a very light way to just take a break, you know, at least from my opinion. It is. And I will say that the iconic theme song, I'll Be There For You by the Rembrandts. Which wasn't really a song. Really? Well, not at first, no. What do you mean by that? The Rembrandts made this little ditty for the opening titles. And then the song got popular and everyone wanted it. They wanted to hear it on the radio. They wanted to buy singles. And they were like, oh shit, we have to make a full song now. (laughs) That's amazing. There may have been a few seconds cut out here and there, but basically what you hear at the opening, at least these first few episodes, I think they included more of the extended version later as the series went on. But yeah, this was it. Very iconic intro. Wow. And from what I remember, the Rembrandts were a very different type of band as well. This was just, sure, we'll write a little catchy poppy song, you know, for a TV thing and make some money, you know, just have a gig, make some money. And then people were just like so disappointed slash freaked out when they went to their actual shows because they liked Friends so much. It's still a great song. As cheesy and overplayed as it is, it's a great song. It, It is one of the most iconic intro songs along the lines of Cheers, you know where everybody knows your name kind of feel to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, how do you tell people you watched it? You do the claps. I mean, it's that (laughs) uh, (laughs) iconic, ubiquitous, whatever you want to call it. But actually, it's crazy. But um, Cheers and Friends have something very much in common in that they were originally directed by James Burroughs, prolific sitcom director James Burroughs. Like, he... God, I'm just going to pull up his, his filmography here. He had... Night Court, Wings, Frasier, Friends, News Radio, Third Rock from the Sun, Dharma and Greg, Caroline in the City, Will and Grace, Two and a Half Men, Big Bang Theory. This guy is sitcoms. Like, Well, yeah, I mean, you can't win them all. Two and a Half Men was probably one of the worst (laughs) sitcoms to have ever existed. Oh, you have no idea how deep that rabbit hole goes. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible sitcoms? Really? I mean, maybe didn't deserve the longevity it had, but still, no, man. Hey, there's literally a sitcom that was made with Hitler as the main character called Honey, I'm Heil. Yep. Are you kidding me? I would watch the hell out of that. (laughs) (laughs) Also, see the page of almost every British sitcom adapted to American television. (laughs) I cannot stand The Office. I cannot watch fucking stand that show. It is. I've never laughed. I've never laughed watching men behaving badly, coupling, just all sorts. Oh come on! You didn't laugh when they did the fire drill in the American office. I I haven't watched, and I haven't watched. Cat gets launched into the ceiling. At its moments, I think. I'll say this. It, it became its own thing, and I enjoyed it, but I came into it late, and I was later shown the very first episode, and I'm like, if I had seen this when it came out, I'd have never watched this show again, because apart from changing the names, it is exactly the same as the first episode of the original series with Ricky Gervais. Well, getting back to Friends. and No, I'm good. Let's keep no, talking good. about The Office. <laughs> Let's keep talking about The Office on The Friends. I think The Office is technically in our purview. We could do The Office. Or I could just talk about coupling. It's like friends, but funnier. Ooh. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about uh, <laughs> we'll talk about friends on the office podcast and coupling when we talk about Firefly. That's that's the way this will work, right? Exactly. <laughs> Not sure how we're jumping with coupling and Firefly, but okay, cool. I'm down. Welcome to Millennial Rewind, where we talk about the wrong shows on the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> where we tell you what we're talking about and then don't. <laughs> <laughs> 
So guess how much the cast of Friends makes annually to this day in fucking Oh, currently. Currently. Um, I know it's at least hundreds of thousands each. Oh, my sweet summer At least. I I, I started with at least. It was a million per episode at one point, wasn't it? Something crazy. By the end, they were getting a million an episode. Yeah, that was working on it. And they like always entered negotiations together because there were certain cast members that were getting more popular in movies and stuff than others. But the concept of friends, they stuck together. They didn't let anyone pull one of them out to try and give them a sweeter deal or something. It was like, no, no, we're all going to take the same stake in this. They each make anywhere between 20 to $30 million a year for a show they did like 20 years ago that ended like 20 years ago. Now the residuals are actually substantial for actors. MASH wasn't the same. Those actors from MASH do not get residual checks. That was before, yeah, they, they like actors negotiated for residuals, which sucks because MASH is indisputably one of the greatest sitcoms of all time. You just became my mom's favorite person. (laughs) (laughs) If the MASH actors had earned even partially what the Friends actors earned, they would probably be hitting similar figures. It's one of the most successful global shows. All right, well, we've blabbed enough. We're going to go take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to break down the pilot episode of Friends. Maintenance guy, maintenance guy, I love being the maintenance guy. Hello, excuse me, excuse me, sir, hello. Hey there, little lady, whoa, is that a wedding dress? Um, yeah, yeah. Do you know which apartment is Monica Geller's? I, I'm her friend, Rachel. Monica, sure, I know which apartment she's in. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, but she's not there right now. Oh, she's not? Oh, yeah, you see, uh, it's a Thursday, so she went to jazzercise class this morning at 7 a.m. at this place on 42nd Street. Oh, okay, so you really know her then? Yeah, she does it every week. Uh, so after that, she usually goes to the smoothie place two blocks over, and then when she's done there, she gets on the subway at Grand Central and comes back here for a quick shower. She uses an exfoliating scrub that's really great for her skin, gets it nice and smooth. And you know all of this how? Yeah, so if she's done with the showering, she usually does laundry at the place around the corner. Uh, and after folding her clothes and all that stuff, she heads over to this uh, coffee shop called Central Park to hang out with her friends. Uh, their names are Chandler, Phoebe, Joey, and uh, usually her brother Ross is there. He's a cool guy. Okay, this is more than just a little bit terrifying that you have my friend's entire schedule memorized. So I'm, I'm going to back away now. And not go anywhere near any of those places you just mentioned. Hey, you know, you're, you're your own person. You go where you want. But, but before you go, uh, you want to see my giant hammer? Well, you've had your dick out this entire time, so might as well. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Uh, the pilot episode is called The One Where Monica Gets a Roommate. How she gets a roommate is fucking ridiculous, which we'll get into. There's an alternative title, which is the one where Rachel leeches off Monica. I think that would have been a much more accurate <laughs> title. Thank you. Good job. 
This is why we have Jules do those. But aren't you describing the show at this point? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the entire show is pretty much that until Rachel finally gets a substantial career, which takes a very long time. See, I didn't even know that happened. I just thought she was a waitress for the entire series. <laughs> <laughs> no, at some point she gets hired by Ralph Lauren, so... Yeah, that's why Ross and Rachel actually break up at one point. Because she's making more money than him? Ross is upset because he's not getting much of a relationship. Rachel is really passionate about her new career and suggests they go on a break. Ross thinks it's a breakup, so he sleeps with the first girl he sees in a club. I mean, they were on a break. I am absolutely on Ross's side on this one. They're on a break. <laughs> the commitment was on pause. He gets to go bang whoever he wants. If she didn't want him banging other people, shouldn't have put a fucking pause on the relationship. That's on her. I'm honestly just astonished that Ross was in a club. Yeah, they, that's like the only time they go to a club in the entire show. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we've spoken about the fountain before, but we start with the infamous fountain seed. Like, that's the intro. Yeah, I love this song. I love that they're dancing together, but why the fountain and the umbrellas? No fucking clue. No fucking clue. <laughs> Spectacle, fun, whimsy. Hey, we're a bunch of quirky pals. We're shoving buddies. A little Family Guy reference for you. Oh, okay. I didn't pick up on the reference. I was like, that seems to have a much different connotation I think. Maybe that's just my mind. <laughs> you can, there are many fa- ways to be a shoving buddy. But yeah, they're, they're frolicking in the fountain, splashing each other. This is just them frolicking this whole time. The couch is there. Frolicking, the iconic dancing, couch. yeah. Splashing. Later episodes, when they finally have some episodes in the can, they'll do the, the sitcom thing where they'll put scenes from the show in the intro. During this intro, Joey headbangs so much, he turns into a lens flare. Did you spot that? Is that what happened? (laughs) (laughs) I believe you. I just didn't notice it. (laughs) It's a special moment. He just starts headbanging and then just massively. Everything with Joey is a special moment, though. (laughs) I mean that in the best of ways. He's a delight. He is a delight. He's like the only character who's actually like kind of not an asshole. Like him and Phoebe are like the only non-assholes. Dude, in the pilot, he hits on a woman. Okay, he becomes <laughs> not an asshole. just run out of a wedding. I was about to say, yeah, this is after they had time to flesh the characters out, right? Yeah, after That's they flesh the characters about. out, Joey <laughs> is like one of, the, like him and Phoebe are like the not assholes. Yeah, I will uh, stand by Chandler. I mean, yeah, he's sarcastic and snarky and everything, but I consider him probably to be the best of a friend that you could hope for yeah. out of the group. Well, speaking of the friends, uh, we're going to open up the pilot at Central Perk, the infamous coffee shop on the show. It's all the friends minus Rachel. They're talking about Monica's boyfriend that she's got or like some guy she's dating. Apparently it just finished up with him. Uh, it's unclear. Monica has trouble dating, basically. Yes. They're saying you're dating the guy. There's got to be something wrong with him. Yeah. Um, and my note was these friends, these friends support each other in the form of scathing put downs. <laughs> my entire fucking high school experience. Surprise. We grew up with this show. <laughs> <laughs> No, not at all. This is the cynic generation. (laughs) Because that's apparently how we project affection and love, is by making the other person feel absolutely awful about their character fault. Well, yeah, of course. If I don't like you, I just won't acknowledge your presence. (laughs) I am communicating. You should be grateful. You see, dear listeners, this is how John is there for me. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking beanpole. (laughs) Oh, we're such close friends. 
That's why he calls me double stuff. <laughs> yeah, audience, this is foreplay. Actually, this is going to get really erotic once we stop recording. It's going to get get weird. I know this is a very shallow observation, but Lisa Kudrow definitely had a mouth mole removed. Like she has a mole in this episode. And then in the last episode we watch, it is no longer there. She absolutely got a mole removed off her chin. Would this be because the sheriff of Rottingham pointed it out to her? <laughs> I have a mole. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't notice, so okay. Phoebe talks about how she once dated a guy who ate chalk, and uh, I thought that was a very good representation of the kind of people who live in New York City. I know a lot of New Yorkers like to criticize, you know, rural America for all the weirdos, but let me tell you, New York's just as filled (laughs) with weird people. Yeah, they also think we're weird. Yeah, New York, you look down on us, and I gotta be honest, we don't give a shit. (laughs) We're LA, we're just so, we're so fucking awesome, like we couldn't begin to give a shit about what you think of us. Inland Empire makes cricket noises during this conversation. Inland Empire doesn't have a fucking leg to stand on. Anyways. Oh no, we don't. Because they made like three sets for this pilot episode. We just time jump to the same spot and Chandler is now talking about a weird dream he had where his like dick was a phone and then he got a call from his mother, which is weird because she never calls him. Yeah, my note is Chandler overshares. I mean genuinely, who shares their penis phone dreams with their friends in a public space chandler chandler (laughs) and as we later learn chandler's mom is a successful author of erotic novels (laughs) it is the beginning of the huge question that encompasses this entire show one of which they even make fun of in the later series but it's why the hell aren't these people at their jobs (laughs) that's a great question because it's like i don't know it's it's the middle of the day and they're all drinking coffee it could be saturday you don't know (laughs) It's just continuously in this coffee shop to the point that later in the show, they start wondering why all their bosses don't like them. And Joey says, maybe it's because you're all here three o'clock on a Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) And they all decide to get up and go to their job. Okay, I I was going to say that's kind of a thing with most shows. And it's it's nice they acknowledge it. But I mean, you do get bits of them here and there at work. Classic sitcom trope is where I was going to go with it. Then we get another flash forward in the same location because that's how all good sitcoms are structured and a very wet Ross comes in. Please define very in that sense. Okay, a semi-wet Ross. A David Schwimmer with damp hair enters the door. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. Uh, okay. I do have to say, this is this is one of my favorite intros of any character because he uh, I actually have these lines memorized. He says, I feel like someone reached down my throat, pulled out my small intestine, pulled it out of my mouth and tied it around my neck and then Chandler just goes, cookie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chandler. oh Chandler because his uh his ex-wife came by and took all her stuff so like you know made him feel bad my note here is Ross has the exact same reaction to Phoebe trying to cleanse his aura as I would just like no no leave my fucking aura alone <laughs> And then Chandler has exactly the same reaction that I would have to Ross's predicament, which is that um, his wife's a lesbian and uh, that's why he's getting divorced. And Chandler's reaction is, sometimes I wish I was a lesbian. And then, did I say that out loud? And you did, Chandler. You did. Seriously, Chandler really overshares in this pilot episode. (laughs) 
And of course, Joey's answer to Ross being sad is a strip joint. Yeah, man, let's go to go to a strip club. And Jules, why have you never offered to take me to a strip club when I've had a breakup? Huh? Because it's the most <laughs> overrated experience in the entire world. I've been to a few, and it's they felt yeah, like I'm not a fan myself. A ludicrous group experience. You're essentially deciding that you want company during your pornographic experience. That's what you're doing every time you walk into a strip club. Uh, I feel kink shamed, and you are the worst friend ever. <laughs> <laughs> but Ross just, you know, he doesn't want to be single. He just wants to be married again. And, you know, as he says that, Rachel, played by Jennifer Aniston, bursts into the coffee shop wearing a wedding dress. And Chandler's reaction to this is, and I just want a million dollars. Well, yeah, clearly there's a genie granting wishes right there somewhere. Ah, <laughs> uh, genie granting wishes coffee shop. That's, there's, a, there's an idea for you. So Rachel went to Monica's building to look for her. And some dude there who like works on the building with a big hammer, with a big, hammer. With a big hammer, which I'm pretty sure is a euphemism. <laughs> yeah, I don't get this line. If it's a euphemism, that means Monica's a slut, which we know is not true. And if there's construction going on, how the hell do they know Monica's schedule? It's all fucked up because, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, you can go find her at the coffee shop. Like, <laughs> Not creepy at all. Definitely something that would only happen in a pre-cell phone world. Well, we know that Monica's dated someone with a hump and a hairpiece, so the guy with the big hammer is not such a huge leap, right? I guess that depends on what we mean by big hammer. (laughs) Big dick. Yes, that would be unlikely, given what we know of her track record so far. So Monica introduces her to the group. Uh, They went to high school together ask her why she's there wet in a wedding dress and was basically recount because she was clearly just left her wedding and she realized just before the ceremony that she was much more turned on by the gravy boat among the wedding presents than she was by her fiance. Yeah, weird way to say that she just wasn't into him and once again by rain soaked in a wedding dress we mean her hair is damp. Yes, her hair is damp. But she also mentions how Barry reminded her of Mr. Potato Head so I just picturing Don Rickles right now. <laughs> and later you see Barry because she has to return the engagement ring and I'm not seeing it. He's not a dumpy guy. He's not a pear-shaped man. He's he's not hiding body parts in his ass. Like I say, he's not kissing his own ass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty sure you would have figured that you weren't turned on by somebody well before now, right? Like, Yeah, my note here is why didn't she talk to her fiancé, parents, other friends, or therapists before before she ran from her wedding, traveled to New York City to stay with a high school friend she hasn't kept in touch with. I got the sense that she well, was getting married what I in the city. The sense is that, um, okay, yes, that too. This wasn't exactly her choice. It was just, this is the way things are done. This is what is expected of you. And she had a crisis of conscience and just needed to break free and, you know, go find herself. So she tells Monica, hey, you're the only person I knew in the city. You know, like, I know we drifted apart, so I just came looking for you. And Monica's like, yeah, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, I wasn't invited to the wedding. What the fuck's up with that? Which is such a great response. It's like, okay, cool. Um, I'm your best, you know, I'm I'm the great friend you're going to reach out to the wedding you ran away from that I wasn't told about. That's my point. Besties. 
And Rachel's like, yo, I was really hoping you wouldn't bring that up. And that is exactly what the writers said when they got network notes on an earlier draft of this, this script. Like, that is <laughs> what happened. Is this a good time to point out how painful it is to go back and watch things with a live studio audience? Yeah. Do you know what's even more painful, though? Watching shows that were filmed in 4-3 and 16-9. Like, fuck off. <laughs> I know I've made this point before, but I will die on this hill every single time. Give me the option to watch it in glorious 4-3. Like, fuck off. <laughs> that is how it was shot. It is how it was intended to be seen. I get that fucking Zoomers or Millennials can't fucking handle it anymore, but come on. I mean, it's not as bad as what happened to The Simpsons. I mean, they full-on cut off parts of the screen, so a lot of visual gags are ruined because you can't see the full screen. It's just ludicrous. Stupid. Just just let the audience choose. You can have both files on your cloud server, and you can choose. Like, it's stupid. Anyways. There's a Nightmare on Elm Street film where when they moved it to video release and they reformatted it, instead of cutting the image, they used more of what the camera shot. And so you'd see like freddy like at the bottom of the frame waiting to like spring up to scare <laughs> someone or like crew members moving around or a mic or something it's oh glorious. that's amazing <laughs> glorious that is amazing so now we're at the infamous apartment uh exterior of the apartment is actually in new york i've walked past it and this is proof that they are not at their jobs because they're watching daytime tv they're not only watching daytime tv they're watching telenovelas uh, my note here is this moment of watching telenovelas is brought to you by mellow yellow well, i was gonna <laughs> say this moment where a woman gets pushed down the stairs and applauded <laughs> it's sponsored by mellow yellow <laughs> this is so sick like like they're cheering for this like you know for a cat fight to ensue where one lady throws another lady down the stairs like were we all that bloodthirsty in the 90s <laughs> were i feel like it was more like socially acceptable to be this bloodthirsty if I'm watching as something as crazy as a soap opera or a telenovela or something like that, give me the crazy. I don't care. <laughs> so in the middle of this happening, Rachel's making some phone calls. She first calls her dad. Well, she first calls her fiance. And then... Oh, oh no, no, her she dad. She's just calling her dad. dad. And then... Yeah, she's talking to her dad, so, like explaining why she ran. And then gives a very ham-fisted metaphor about like how everyone is trying to tell her she's a shoe, but maybe she's a purse or a hat. You know, maybe I'm not what you expect me to be. My mind just went to Tilda Swinton's monologue in Snowpiercer. So I just checked out of this episode for a little Fair while. Fair enough. And expected someone to get his arm frozen <laughs> off. Would have been a great twist. The whole joke is that, you know, the dad doesn't get that it's a metaphor. But then Ross says, you can see where he had trouble. And uh, no, that's so clearly a metaphor. <laughs> I don't understand Ross, Ross's comeback here. Well, the real joke is women. Am I right? I mean, I think that's a lot of the humor in the show is is women. Am I right? That's probably only second place to the concept of lesbians existing. Oh, my God. It, throughout this season, at least the bits that I had on, you know, and Ross is just like, well, my wife left me. Turns out she's lesbian. Uproarious laughter. Oh, she lived in a homophobic society and couldn't discover her true self until well after she got married. Ah, oh, hilarious. I mean, also, like, it affected him because he married someone that he loved, who he thought had reciprocal feelings and attraction, and clearly didn't. Hilarious. Then, in the middle of this conversation with her dad, proceeds to invite herself to fucking stay in Monica's apartment, as we discussed right? earlier. This is when the leech literally attaches itself. Yep. You know, you can see it 
if you freeze frame the blood sucker is attached yes you can see like rachel's mouth becomes like a circle like a leech it just literally <laughs> bites into monica's <laughs> neck it's it was i did not remember this part of friends i witnessed that while moving forward at three arrow speed <laughs> what do you mean freeze frame <laughs> <laughs> This is the point at which Monica said, uh, no, we're not actually that close. You need to go back home and fix things with your dad. And uh, the TV show ended and it was a very surprising ending. Just half a pilot episode. That's yeah. What well, no, it went on, but the <laughs> S and friends turned into a five. <laughs> <laughs> So here's the thing, like, uh, I think one of the big criticisms of the show is that there's no way that a bunch of 20-somethings could afford an apartment this big, and... That horse has been beaten to death It's been beaten to death, but I feel like it got explained at some point that it's not actually Monica's apartment, like, it's her rich aunt's apartment, and that's how she got it. I feel like that's just a thing they came up with to get people to shut up about it. Probably. It's like, it's a set for a TV show with six main characters. They need space come on or the fact that they get the exact same seats in the coffee shop day after day after day uh it's because ross and joey and chandler peed on it um (laughs) because they're real men and they claimed it for for the group there was a fire in the coffee shop yeah they set a fire in the coffee shop and then they peed on it and then this is gonna make a lot more sense when we talk about the finale yes when we talk about the finale it's gonna make a lot more sense this is a call forward audience member we're not just talking about peeing for the sake of talking about peeing (laughs) i am only mostly making shit up as i go today we're not just random arsonists and urinators in public there's actually some (laughs) we are very (laughs) deliberate arsonists and public urinators okay there's a i was gonna just make the point that we not all of us are (laughs) you gotta guess which two i mean we we we've talked about the inland empire enough (laughs) (laughs) that's an average wednesday (laughs) <laughs> so rachel finishes the call with her dad she's like well yeah well maybe i don't need your money and then she's like no wait nope nope i definitely need your money don't don't ignore me again because we only built three sets for this fucking pilot we flash forward in the same place again uh rachel's having a panic attack while breathing into a paper bag and phoebe decides that the way she's gonna calm rachel down is by poorly singing these are a few of my favorite things from the sound of music comedy yeah this was not a great pilot a few moments of amusement but by and large meh and so rachel's like okay yep nope cool you helped you helped dear god please stop and so you know phoebe's very chuffed with herself i think she goes up to chandler's like i helped i'm sorry did we have shake and bake for dinner and then joey decides to hit on this woman literally moments after she decided not to go through with her winning not only decides to hit on her, decides to hit on her while holding a giant ham and cheese sandwich. <laughs> Which multiplies the crime. Absolutely. <laughs> Not sure what that has to do with anything. Uh, it's okay. a great visual, and I think the next time I go clubbing, I'm going to take a giant ham and cheese sandwich, and that is how I'm going to start flirting. At which point you'll tell the bouncer when he asks you what you're doing with a ham and cheese sandwich, what, like there's a rule or something? <laughs> Nothing the rule book says I can't bring a ham and cheese sandwich to a club. And then he points to the no outside food or drink sign. <laughs> and then I'll be like, come on, this is my club sandwich. But don't. Oh, kill me now. <laughs> uh, and he'll be like, no, you already admitted this is simply a ham and cheese. That is different. Get the fuck out of my line. Ah. <laughs> uh... 
Now I want a club sandwich. Those are delicious. We cannot get through a conversation. No, we We just can't. can't. We're already like 40, almost 45 minutes into this record. And we've barely touched this episode. I know. We're not even close. So, yeah. So, it turns out Monica's got a date, and she, the, the, who's, she's dating this Paul the Wine guy, as if that's supposed to fucking mean something to us. Apparently, it means something to everyone. Yep, they all know who this is. It's like the noodle incident in Calvin and Hobbes. Like, everyone knows about it, but, like, nobody ever, like, knows who it exactly is. Except we actually get to meet Paul the that Wine guy. That is true. Guy. We do get to meet Paul the Wine guy. Isn't that the ideal man? Just man and wine? Oh, I thought you were talking about noodle incidents. I mean, angels, if that's the kind of guy you're into. Took Nick a sec that time. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, give Jules enough wine and he'll have a noodle incident with you. Got it. I have I, I don't know what this is, man. I'm I, I didn't sleep a lot last night, but Monica offering to stay for Ross fake out. It was something like he's just so sad about being abandoned and maybe she shouldn't go on her date, but he's just fucking with her. No, seriously, go have fun. Go get some dick. I'm your brother. I mentioned Chandler is actually the best to have as a friend. Ross is objectively the worst. Yes. He is the he is the Woody of this of this show. Yeah, he's he he's a bummer. He's morose. He he's almost always whining about shit and again, just making it all about him. Although, yeah, depression is a powerful, powerful force in psychology. And my life. Hey, my life too. Hey. Nobody's mentally well on this show. My life too. It's true. <laughs> Yeah, no, I found that, like, my closest friends, I'm like, oh, we get the same kind of humor. Oh, we get the, oh, you have that side of it, too. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. So anyways, Paul the Wine Guy comes in. Uh, Everybody's by the door. Humor. Uh, He's tall, so Ross is cool with him boning his sister. You need to be this tall to ride my sister. Yeah, John Court arrives. This was amazing. Who is this guy? John Court. Oh, I, I'm not aware of him. Who is, what is he known for? Well, I mean, this actor is John Allen Nelson, but John Cord is his off and on recurring season one through five Baywatch oh, character. Oh, <laughs> amazing. Got it Everything in. is Baywatch. <laughs> but yeah, apparently this guy, Paul, the wine guy, um, has absolutely no comment about why Rachel is there in a wedding dress. Apparently just every New York City apartment has someone with a wedding <laughs> Legally, you have to have at least one. I would say it's that New Yorker stereotype where just nothing phases them. Nope. It could be. be. (laughs) Just kind of a, hey, not my problem, none of my business. I'm here to pick up my date. You do you. This is New York in the early 90s. He probably, like, survived four muggings on the way to the apartment building. Like, (laughs) this is not the weirdest part of All he needs is a bottle of wine. (laughs) Yeah, that's why he didn't bring any wine, because he used it as a weapon. Because a bottle of wine, that'll keep the bums away. (laughs) Worst superhero ever. (laughs) Wino man! Paul the wine guy. Ross asks Rachel what she's doing tonight, and she's like, uh, I don't know, man. I just, like, ran away from my fucking wedding. I hadn't really thought about my evening plans. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I'm not going on my honeymoon, if that's what you're trying to, to suggest. To Aruba, which, holy fuck. And he's like, yeah, Aruba this time of year. You don't, don't want to mess with that big lizards as if you know ross fuck off yeah, ross. Fuck. he was he was trying to find something bad about aruba and <laughs> he just comes up talk about your big lizards 
Then he asks her if she'd like to hang out with him, Joey, and Chandler and help him put together his new furniture at his apartment. Hey, would you like to come do free labor for me? Person who just and came back. This is where life. I realized I'm actually Phoebe. This is the point. But the thing is, is that, Nick, you are guilty of asking for free labor at least once in our relationship. <laughs> but Phoebe pulls the best line in the world. They ask Phoebe if she wants to help, and she says, I wish I could, but I don't want to. Yep. Go, Phoebe. Oh, God, if only friendships were really like this. But in a very nice, just, oh, oh, that's how it is way, not in a sarcastic or nasty sort of way of, oh, that sounds dumb. It's like, man, I'd really love to. I'm just, I'm not up for it. I just don't want to. So this, these are the friends who will be there for you. Right, world? (laughs) (laughs) So now there's like three things going on. Instead of like cutting back and forth between them, we're going to, let's just play each of these these cool. three scenes out. So we're at Ross's apartment uh, where the guys are putting together what is presumably Ikea furniture, but they're not saying Ikea furniture. And because Ross is an idiot, this is hard for him. I'm sorry. Ikea furniture is not hard to put together. It's not hard to understand the instructions. They have all the pieces there for you. This is just dumb. I think it might have it might have been trickier in the 90s. Doubt it. Nowadays, it's so clear. It's like, you know. You only need that shitty little wrench to do it. So he's been squatting the entire time. He's like, I can't feel my legs now. And it's like, well, gee, then maybe you should have done this differently. Like, I don't know. Like you being in this uncomfortable stress position is your fault. That wasn't in the fucking instructions. I guarantee it. Yeah. Again, Ross is just whining. Also, Joey and Chandler just give up on building the bookshelf. They're like, "Eh, that's done enough. Like we've done enough of this. Now, the actual joke is that uh, he couldn't find the finishing pieces for whatever he was building and Joey and Chandler had it and instead of mentioning it they just decided to hide it in the plant and just say it's all done (laughs) that was actually the joke so Ross goes to like the, the fridge and he pulls out a beer, which is like some spoof of Sam Adams. And it's like, ah, oh, you know, this was a Carol's favorite beer. You know, she drank it straight from the can. And that should have let me know that it was a le- she was a lesbian. And what the fuck? What the fuck is I this? I don't know. How, but how is this a lesbian stereotype? And it gets a big laugh, of course, because studio audience. But seriously, how often if you've got cans of beer around? Are you taking the time to pour it in? Yeah. Hey, ladies, because we know a lot of you listen. Uh, is it <laughs> gay to yet. drink beer straight from the can? Because if that's the case, I've had sex with a bunch of lesbians. I would say clearly based on this scene, that makes it gay for women to drink from the can because it's a manly thing to do. So if we use a glass, that makes us gay men. Damn, I've been gay for a long time. I don't care that you have that mug that can literally <laughs> exactly. hold four beers at once. It's still gay, apparently. Very, very it, gay. We found out we found it could literally hold five bottles of Newcastle brown ale. And that's what makes it gay, because while you drink it, you're exactly. working on your figure and pumping them biceps up. Just get all the stereotypes. Let's just do, do it all. Put them all in there. Oh, my God. So anyways, he's like lamenting that, you know, he thinks there's only one woman for everyone. And apparently there's also only one woman for Carol. That's why she left. And then Joey's like, no, 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 no. There's you're thinking about this all wrong. And then I honestly can't tell if Joey can't tell the difference between women and ice cream, given this fucking metaphor. It's like women are like ice, you know, like, you know, they come in different flavors and sometimes you put sprinkles on them. And it's a metaphor that just carries on a little too long, which I think makes it funnier if he's just 
just saying, hey, there's plenty of options out there and there's a lot of variety. But I do have a question and maybe one of you can help me with this. When he's talking about stuff you can put on your ice cream, what are Jimmy's? Um, this is 90s slang, so I'm guessing that's dicks. <laughs> I've listened to enough Tupac to know what he's talking about. Yeah, he said like you could pour some Jimmy's on there or something. And honestly, that's all I could think. Or for some reason, Slim Jims, <laughs> which would just be weird. I'm trying to be hard on Joey about not being able to tell the difference between women and ice cream. And honestly, I've had the same issue. Like, I tend to smother both in whipped cream, and that's why I'm not allowed back in that Ben and Jerry's. And so after giving this metaphor, Ross says, I honestly don't know if I'm hungry or horny. And Chad was like, stay away from my freezer. (laughs) Yeah. Bad joke. Bad, bad Chandler. I think Matthew Perry knew it was bad, and he just he was getting he was getting paid. paid. He was getting they paid. were all getting paid. And it's a pilot; they don't even know if this is getting picked up nope. or not. Man, you just you, you do the job. And so yeah. obviously Ross hasn't had sex in a while, and he's like, even if I could, you know, if I, even if I, if I put myself out there, like who would I even like go for? Like 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 who would I even date? Or it's like, dude, you live in New York fucking city. It's like there's like twelve <laughs> million people there. Statistically, half of them are women. But there are also no news stories. When giant dinosaurs are hiding amongst the 12 million people that live there. <laughs> Cut to Rachel looking out sadly the window when he's talking about who he could ever possibly ever date. She's spending this whole sequence like leaving multiple voice messages to her ex-fiance and then watching the wedding scene from Joni Loves Chachi. Yeah, I'm good to gloss over the rest of that. Cool. that no, that's, that's all I had to say on that. Because now we got to talk about Monica, who's on our date with Paul the Wine Guy. Turns out his ex cheated on him. Uh, kept going to the dentist like five times a week and apparently he got over the whole thing by breaking her watch so no red flags there none at all if if that wasn't the red flag what's actually the red flag um is oversharing about your impotence i i I should stop myself first because uh this isn't the thing you reveal so early in in dating which of course makes her ask and then he shares to show that he's committed to seeing her more. Yeah, he reveals he's like been impotent, he hasn't had sex in two years. It's like, so do you think you still want the fifteen? She's like, Yeah. And they're at this restaurant, and this is the saddest looking Asian food <laughs> I have ever seen on fucking TV. This like dime store noodles and fucking like sushi question mark. This was filmed in LA. I can go two blocks and there is no, There's excuse. no excuse. There is no excuse. I can drop you at any point in Los Angeles, and within two blocks, you can find dank Asian food. Like, fuck off. There's no excuse for this. I can do that here in the Inland Empire, man. I am surrounded by awesome Asian food. Southern California. Anywhere you go in Southern California, there is amazing Asian food. There's no fucking excuse to have shitty Asian food on your set. So the next morning, Rachel tries her hand at making coffee for Chandler and Joey. It sucks, so they pour it out into a plant. And kill it. Yeah, <laughs> They kill it with coffee. Killing the plant now with coffee is better than putting it through the hell of living with Rachel. Apparently. <laughs> I'm going to stand by this decision. Yeah, that I plant just, went peacefully. I genuinely, no matter how cushy someone's life is, I genuinely don't believe anyone's not made coffee in their life by the time they hit their 20s. You would be fucking surprised. No, I could believe it. I could believe it. Like Rachel, like her life of privilege, I absolutely could believe it. Rachel went on to open her own coffee shop, and then that's where they bought it for Jean Renault. Ha, 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 ha. I do want to see the 1998 Godzilla Friends crossover. That's <laughs> the crossover we all deserve. We've already established that there are no women to date and no news stories. It already is coming together so well. It's the way you get 
the Simpsons characters with the Friends characters and throw Godzilla in there. That's the ultimate mashup. I would watch that sitcom. I would watch the fuck out of that sitcom. <laughs> Nathan Lane is going to have to join Matthew Broderick in a musical number <laughs> while Spinal Tap does the music. I mean, this is just... Mandatory. Yes. <laughs> See, we're already making up like way more interesting <laughs> shit than this fucking show because we keep getting sidetracked. Paul, the wine guy, emerges from Monica's room, so she got a little something-something. And everyone calls him... Like, there's this like running guy with Chandler because they all refer to him as Paul and he's like oh Paul is it it was funny the first time when they actually met him yes and they were all saying his name repeatedly so Chandler announces he's going to go to work and then he immediately talks about how it really doesn't matter if he does his job or not. He has like existential dread, like right That's in the kitchen. That's one of my favorite lines actually from Chandler in this episode is that if I don't input those numbers, it really doesn't make much of a difference. <laughs> God, modern living to a fucking T. Just like if most of us, like if we didn't do our jobs, wouldn't fucking matter. Would not fucking matter. <laughs> But this is the basis for my Chandler is the best of all of them. He has a job that he hates, winds up getting paid very well for it eventually, and basically supports Joey. Yep. One of the few things I remember from very, very later on is with Joey's acting, he eventually gets a big break and gets a whole bunch of money. And hey, but I'm finally going to pay you back for like all these years of covering rent and meals and like tickets to events and everything. And Chandler tries to do the, no, no, it's fine. And Joey's serious. And so he's like, all right, and writes down a figure and shows it to him. And he's like, or I could be happy with your with you just being such a cool dude <laughs> and forgiving my debt you know like chandler's the best he's he's pretty rad now that i think about it so rachel like can't believe they all have jobs and monica's like yeah that's how we get money to buy things like how the fuck do you think life works my only note is rachel observes the truth which is that none of them are going to their jobs <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's less she's astonished that people have jobs. She's just amazed that these people, exactly. yeah. they never seem to go for them. Or sorry, damn it. They never seem to go to them, not for them. So Chandler's got his accounting gig. Monica's a chef. And then they find out that uh, Ross is an actor who works in local productions. Joey is an Joey. actor. Joey, that's what I meant to say. Joey. Uh, we don't learn Ross's job in this episode. We don't learn Ross's job in this episode. We don't know what he does. <laughs> And then Chandler just kind of makes me want to take back what I just said because he just immediately starts teasing Joey about the acting gigs he's had so far because he was in a production for children. Yeah, he was in a production of Pinocchio. They all brutally make fun of him, led by Chandler. And I'm like, good. Actors aren't people. They need to be reminded of this. I never said that actors are cattle. I said they should be treated. Like <laughs> <laughs> Epic Hitchcock. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Hitch. <laughs> uh, so the boys leave, and Monica is just so happy about last night. And Rachel's like, yeah, it's like you slept with a coat hanger in your mouth. And it's like... Is that a blowjob joke? That is absolutely a blowjob joke. Also, if your dick looks like a coat hanger, please see a doctor. <laughs> I'll say, but that metaphor is just very uncomfortable. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And Monica's leaving for work, but Rachel, she says she's going to get one of those job things. So, yeah. So Monica's at work as a chef, and 
I could have sworn that her co-worker's chef hat was not on all the way. Like, it was like a half-shed hat. Sh- no. Shed hat. <laughs> it, was, it was a half-shed hat? It was a shitty hat. <laughs> that shed's all over. She's a real chef head. Right, because it, from a certain angle, it looked like it only covered, like, the front half of her head and had a little floppy thing on top, and, like, the back of her head was exposed. It could have just been, like, the way the shadows were working, but that's what it looked like to me. She wasn't sure if she was going to be going to work or taking a nap. <laughs> Are you suffering from floppy chef hat? If so, take these blue pills. If so, throw some jimmies on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so her coworker immediately knows that Monica banged. Yeah, casual workplace sex talk is very casual in the 90s. Very casual. I could not imagine going up to a coworker and be like, you fucked last night, didn't you? And I want to know who. Yeah, as she's casually tossing a salad to this co-worker, because I guess that's what the chefs do. They they toss... No, no, actual salads, people. Actual salads. <laughs> right, actual salads. There's no <laughs> gratuitous ass-eating in this scene, unfortunately. <laughs> but it turns out co-worker had sex with Paul the Wine Guy, too, and she's like, yeah, but, you know, you can thank me because I got his dick hard after two years. So Paul's clearly got a... a line that he's given out to which we cut back to the coffee shop and joey is just like duh yeah no (laughs) shit that was a line hi i'm joey this is a thing men do (laughs) guys this is insane this next bit's fucking insane because monica laments the caliber of man she attracts and phoebe's response is to tell monica to give her her foot she like takes out monica's foot and like holds her foot this will never pay off there is no follow-up to this moment she just holds maybe massages monica's foot in fucking central park it was crazy i think it was just a carry on from the you know cleansing of auras yeah we're gonna give you a little reflexology here in the coffee shop and then we finally get some retaliation for the relentless self-esteem destruction. Joey full-on mocks Monica with a big laugh, you know? I can't believe you didn't think it was a line, and Monica just launches him into the air, and he falls over. <laughs> and Rachel bursts in, and she, she hasn't gotten a job. She's qualified for nothing. And is she implying that she had 12 interviews in one day? I guess? Yeah, the way she talks about it, like, I got laughed out of 12 interviews, and I'm like... She applied for everything, basically, without a resume. So, despite having been rejected from all these jobs, Rachel's got a little something to cheer her up. She got 50% off a really expensive pair of boots. She got herself a, I don't need a job or my parents' boots. Uh... And Monica's like, hey, so uh, how'd you pay for that? Oh, with my credit card. And who pays for that credit card? My, My dad. Daddy? Oh, Daddy, I want to go buy some new shoes. Nothing I love more than a rich bimbo and Daddy's credit card. <laughs> Stupid spoiled whore video place. <laughs> So back in the apartment, they've laid out all of Rachel's credit cards on the table and tell her that it's time to, you know, cut them up, strike out on her own. And Rachel is obviously nervous about this. And look, I have had my parents give me an emergency credit card. They didn't give me six. (laughs) She has literally six credit cards. Yeah. But did they also have the luxury of planning your relationships for you? Uh, See, there's trade-offs in life. There there are trade-offs. The amount that your parents want to control your life is directly proportional to the number of credit cards that they give you. My experience is quite different. 
your parents gave you a lot of credit cards and have not wanted to control your life, or they've given you zero credit More cards. Yeah. 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 <laughs> After a while, they gave up on trying to control it. Like, fuck, I guess he's just going to do his own thing. I don't know. <laughs> and John's like, and then I got my own stack of credit cards. So, yeah. Um, and then I started a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I charged it to my Platinum American Express. I charged uh, it to my LA Metro tap card. That's I <laughs> uh, Non-Southern California residents might find it difficult to, to really appreciate that joke. Uh, I mean, anyone who lives in a city with transit has some analog that they can reference. We got Oyster Cards in London. Oyster Cards? That's great. It's a great name. Yeah, but there's plenty of other cities, especially outside the U.S., where public transportation is a very common thing that everyone enjoys. <laughs> yeah, not even in L.A. does everyone not just use public the transportation. And it's <laughs> relatively well run. You know, it's it's insane to even yeah. think about that. L.A.'s got really decent public transportation. It just needs to expand the metro no, rail a bit I've more. I've tried the buses. They are a nightmare. They never show up on time. They never take you to where they intend to take you. It's a complete mess. When I lived out over in Van Nuys, they were very reliable. The only problem was they showed up once an hour. That was the <laughs> schedule. Once you got more into L.A. proper, they would come much more regularly and tended to be on time. They were, you know, horrible experiences, but they were on time. There were scheduled buses that didn't show up, so I had to walk about 15, 17 miles once. Wow. I never had that experience. Never had that experience. And that was living out over there for about three years, heavily relying on <laughs> public transit. The downside, again, if you're outside of the main city, they're just less and less and less frequent. And so you literally had to plan your whole day in advance. Well, that's, yeah, that's how I started too, is I, I took public transport. I'm a London baby, so I rely on public transport. It wasn't until my experiences that I realized how atrocious it all was. <laughs> I love how we're just not talking about friends right now. We just <laughs> I never really wanted to, to be honest. Fair enough. Fair enough. We're still on the first episode, Jesus. Can we get to the casual suicide references? This was fucking insane. So like they're all she, if he was like, hey guys, don't don't be so hard on Rachel. You know, like it's it's tough being out here on your own for the first time. And then Phoebe gives us her insanely fucked up origin story how her mother killed herself her stepdad left she lived with a guy who was albino uh who then killed himself too and then she found aromatherapy which then promptly abandoned phoebe as well because <laughs> i mean honestly that's the one consistent thing throughout this entire story i absolutely believe that phoebe was raised by aromatherapy that that just makes a <laughs> lot of sense given her character and she came to a like to new york when she was 14 that is when her mom killed herself stepped out in prison met suicidal albino guy like fucking crazy man I'm like i'm sorry are we watching a sitcom or is this like i don't know some hbo show all of a sudden it's the source material for v for vendetta <laughs> if you thought the movie was dark Read the source material. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Minus the aromatherapy. So Rachel gets peer pressured into ruining herself financially. She goes ahead and cuts up the credit cards. <laughs> right. And Monica's response to this, you know, she gleefully says, welcome to the real world. It sucks. You're gonna love it. 
I agreed with you up until you're going to love it. You absolutely were hitting the nail on the head. I will say, though, that America would be in a lot better position if more people cut up their credit cards like this. So not entirely against this scene. Fast forward um, to the evening. Guys, what show or movie ends on an orchestral rendition of the national anthem? Only the best. I thought it was like the the ending of all TV programming at a certain time. It ended with the Star Spangled Banner. So Monica offers to let Ross stay over again, but no, he needs to go back to his apartment sometime. Rachel finds Paul's watch, and Monica's like, hey, uh, just put that back where you found it. So Rachel puts it back on the floor, and when Monica heads into her room, she uh, steps on it. Emotionally healthy, yeah. Very healthy. Also, if you look carefully, she just steps on the band, not the actual <laughs> watch itself. Also, watches tend to be fairly durable. Yeah, depending on which ones. I have a $20 Casio. You could probably shoot this thing and it wouldn't. Say, and yeah, and it's probably indestructible. Well, knowing Nick, you have shot it many times. <laughs> no, that was doing shots in the presence of it. Uh, I was doing shots with my watch, all right? He's a, he's a cool guy. Um <laughs> <laughs> There's like one Oreo left on the plate and he's like, hey, Rachel, you want to split it? And the way they split this Oreo is infuriating, right? Like if you were going to split an Oreo with someone, you would like snap it in half, right? No, it never splits evenly that way anyway. You do the separation and of course one's going to get more filling than the other or, you know, maybe not at all in all of it. That's just the risk you take. I disagree. We're, we'll never share an Oreo, apparently. Well, you're damn um, right we won't. I'll have already <laughs> had them all. You you feel like you're getting any? That's one of my favorite snacks, man. Shit. Oreos are delicious. Yeah. Not gonna lie. And vegan. Well, that was one of the craziest things I found out like when I came back to the States, that Oreos are fucking vegan. Yeah. How? Yeah, so Ross reveals like, hey, you know, I, I kind of had a crush on you in high school and you probably thought I was just, you know, Monica's dorky older brother. And she's like, yeah, I knew you were had a crush on me. And yes, you were just Monica's dorky older brother to me. And he's like, hey, uh, could I ask you out sometime? And she says, yes. And the smooth thing to do would have been like, cool. You want to go out sometime? It's Ross, so he's not going to be smooth. Um, he just lets there be a giant awkward pause. And then I guess Rachel goes to her room. Monica comes out. And as Ross is leaving, he's like, hey, why are you so happy? And he's like, I finally grabbed a spoon. As in like referring he's to the- going to taste some ice cream. Yeah. Yes. And uh, my note here is, there is no spoon. <laughs> we learned anything from the Matrix. There was there. no spooning either. <laughs> no, just forking. And now we're at the Evalog, and the gang's back at Central Park, and Phoebe is singing everything that people are saying. And plot twist, Rachel now works at the coffee shop. She got a job after all. She's bringing coffee to like give refills, and Chandler's like, "Okay, hang on. Um, did you make this coffee?" And she's like, "No, no, no. I'm just serving it." Oh, I'll have some more. Yeah, get the old... everyone just piles in. Yeah, let's have some coffee. Woo! And then we end with Chandler revealing that he had another dream where he was Liza Minnelli in Vegas. That's literally all we hear about it. Yep, that is it. Uh, we don't know whether his mom called him again on the dick phone. No, well, that's gonna be that's about his dad. We'll find out, because his dad has a drag show in Vegas. Interesting. I forgot that. Well, anyways, that's the end of the pilot. Um, I gotta go shake some of the mediocrity off <laughs> me. Uh, so we're gonna go take a break, and we come back, we're gonna break down the season finale, episode 24, The One, where Rachel finds out. Don't go away. Ah, hello there. My name is Dr. Gunther von Leberkäser. 
And today, we are going to do an experiment to see how many beers it takes for the hosts of Millennial Rewind to confess their true feelings for each other. Now, let us see the results after one beer. I'm glad you guys are my friends. Yeah, me too. Eh. And now, let us take a look at five beers. You guys are like the best guys in the world. I don't know if people say that, but you guys really like up there. Hey, hey, I love you guys, and I I don't know what I'd do without you. Let's be honest. Oh God! Wow, that that was quite fast for most of them. Now, in the interest of science, let us see what happens after ten beers. I love you guys. I want to. Cut my heart out and like give it to you, but I die and I want to be with you forever. Hey guys, 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 Jules, yeah, Jules. No, don't, don't touch me. Let's have a threesome, just like the three of us. Threesome. Oh fuck! Fascinating results, yeah, yeah, very interesting. Well, that is all we have for today. I'm going to take off my pants and take John's place in the group. Tune in next time for more Millennial Rewind Science Experiments. Uh, who's this fat German guy? Oh, don't you worry. We'll be getting to know each other very well soon. It's, it's a German guy. It's a German guy. It's not a threesome. Just, just assume me with a threesome. And we're back. I'm going to start off the episode. The gang is, of course, at Central Perk. Every, uh, Ross has had a baby over the course of the season. Uh, apparently somehow got his lesbian wife pregnant at some point, despite the pilot being like he hasn't had sex in a long time. I don't know. I don't remember that. It was apparently enough that she was pregnant like prior to them breaking up because literally the next episode involves a sonogram. It doesn't really matter. This is way better over the course of 20-some episodes. This show got way better. Way better. They all look better. Like, they they all got their hair did. Uh, Lisa Kudrow got that mole removed. They still look human, though. Because once you get to the later seasons, <laughs> they, they've got they've got like personal trainers and body tans, and it's it it, it looks atrocious. It's like you're watching. Well, yeah, the the show's still in its you know early stages, but at the same time, it's not a pilot right. for the series either. So, yeah. Then fast forward to the reunion they had last year, where all the dudes look like you know you put a marshmallow peep in the microwave. <laughs> it was. Courtney Cox, Jennifer Aniston, and Lisa Kudrow looked, you know, good for their age. And the guys just fucking had let themselves go hard. But anyways, we're back in the 90s when they all looked fine. And Ross is showing everyone baby pictures. And Rachel's like, oh, so cute. You must just want to kiss him all over. And because she's really close to him, he's like, oh, girl. How does she not feel him breathing all over her? He's basically licking her. Like, that. it's just... Yeah. Like he is just staring at her neck. I do enjoy Chandler's reaction though, because this is how I picture John and Nick react to children. It's just Chandler just like <laughs> Yep, that's on a good day. I would like to make a difference between me and Chandler here. I don't try to pass that off as being something it that it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know, not it's true. Yeah, you're honest about it. We've got baby photos. <laughs> 
I'm out. So Joey asked Chandler to spot him for like a cup of coffee. And Chandler's like, bro, you owe me like literally a gajillion dollars. What the fuck? And Joey's like, no, 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 no. I got a job coming up. Got to come into some cash soon. And they're like, "How? well, what job? And he reveals that he's a part of a fertility study where basically all he has to do is come in and like jerk off in the office for every two days. And after two weeks, he gets $700. But he can't have sex in the meantime. Guys, that's like $1,400 in today's dollars. <laughs> I will absolutely not have sex and jerk off and get paid for it for two weeks. What a great job. And then Phoebe says, yeah, you know, you'll be making money head over fist. And that, I, I chuckled at that. That was, that was a, I enjoyed that line. Y'all didn't, and I don't care. I got jealous because it implies that Joey has to use two hands. <laughs> Cut to Monica and Phoebe getting ready for uh, Rachel's birthday party. And apparently Phoebe, who we know to be vegetarian, is the one who has to get out the ground meat for the burgers. <laughs> I don't know. I know vegans are vegetarians. They're not touching the raw meat. They're going to make you omnivore. Go Actually, get the fucking true. shit. Like, she'll... Yeah. Really? When Mike dog-sat Trixie, he handled the ground beef for Trixie. Fair enough. Hardcore vegan. Yes, he, our, our friend Mike is a hardcore vegan. So, okay. But that was for a dog. I See, feel we're like also he... talking about feeding a dog here. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about feeding a dog. Like, if I'm sure it would be a different case if we're like, hey, Mike, can you go get the you know ground beef for our burgers He's for humans? He's coming to 4th of July no. parties. He has, but he wasn't touching the meat. No, he brought his own meat, but... That's because I wasn't there. Hmm... <laughs> <laughs> So Joey and Chandler show up, and this is the moment we were referencing when we were breaking down the previous episode. They've got charcoal, they've got tongs, and they're like, we men, we make fire. Then we pee out fire to put out, or we put out fire by peeing on and not get invited back. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, the whole caveman, me, man, fire, make me think. Like it was going on a little too long, but then it had that little stinger at the end. <laughs> yes. Okay, it, it that was worth it. Well. That was worth it. Yeah, Joey is apparently seeing a girl who really likes him and wants to have sex with him. And Chandler's response to that is, crazy bitch <laughs> i mean chandler's all of us let's face it oh i mean yeah. that's also my usual response whenever i found out nick's getting laid oh boy so yeah so like as you were mentioning uh if he wants to get paid he can't do any personal experiments if you know what he means and monica just says to him joey we always know what you mean and come the fuck on that's such a dick thing to say welcome to friends <laughs> welcome to friends it's like <laughs> Yeah, he expects you to get it. He's just being coy because yeah. You know. Anyone who adds, if you know what I mean, like no yeah, shit, they're not ex they're not expecting you to ask for clarification. All right. Yeah, I was dropping the elf down the well. If you know what I mean, I mean, <laughs> then you need clarity. Yes, I too am antagonistic towards the fae. <laughs> <laughs> you never invite them into your homes never accept gifts and by god don't even let them try to strike up a bargain i dropped kick pineapples off skyscrapers if you know what i mean <laughs> high stakes pro wrestling absolutely <laughs> you don't have to keep asking we always know what this you is mean. always my favorite <laughs> bit on whose line is it anyway where they had to have entire conversations with uh turn of phrases that no one had heard before your wife uh she a goer she a goer go say no more say no more 
<laughs> so Ross comes in later. Uh, you know, the party preparations are pretty much done at this point. Uh, comes in to tell Monica and Phoebe that he has to go to China for a week to convince some people over there to give them hit the museum he works for a dinosaur bone that they found because they won't give him the bone. There are a couple of issues I have here. First of all, I'm pretty sure this was a point in the writer's room where they said, how many times can we put bone in an episode and get away with it? Yeah, that was... That was overdone. The second is the fact yep. that any paleontologist would say fossil. I'm sorry. <laughs> they would say dinosaur fossil. They now, would. all that aside, I absolutely love Phoebe in this moment. Because <laughs> Ross walks in with luggage. She's like, how long did you expect this barbecue to last? <laughs> <laughs> and then when his reply is that he's going to China, she's like, well, geez, settle down. You say one thing. And people like, as if because of her comment, he's going to flee the country. <laughs> <laughs> that was great BB I didn't appreciate what you said and because of it I am going to Beijing fuck you <laughs> <laughs> one of the rare times we get anyone reacting to it and it turns out to be <laughs> <laughs> An overreaction. If you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and he gives them the craziest fucking request. He wants them to take a picture of him over to his son at Carol's house every day so he doesn't forget what his dad looks like. And he's gone for like a week, right? A week. Literally a week. Well, let's not forget the you will be absolutely unable to reach me at all. Here's my itinerary. Because they don't have phones in China in the 90s? I imagine making that call would have been a fucking nightmare. <laughs> it would have been expensive and stuff, but the point is, I'm going to be in China. I'm going to be gone for a week. We're not going to be able to have any contact at all, but here's a list of where I'll be and what I'm doing. Fuck off, Ross. Quit making it all about you. And Phoebe makes fun of, like, he puts the Ross photo in front of her face and does a funny mimic of it. It was good. I can't remember what it was. Again, exactly, Phoebe's great. Yeah. Well, Phoebe's yeah, great. Yeah, no, she was just, I think Phoebe takes this as seriously the thing that should be done. <laughs> <laughs> but she's basically acting out, putting the picture in front of her face and interacting with his son, his newborn son. It's like, I'm your father, head of the family. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like the Toy Story, but like, I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> it's like, it's that moment. It was great. <laughs> Phoebe Shark Phoebe Shark Hate that song Blow out my brains now Join the long list of people that have killed themselves In Phoebe's life Slash your wrist Bleep 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 Slash your wrist Yeah asks where Rachel is And he's like oh yeah she's out with Carl Who's Carl A guy she met at the coffee shop Latest guy in their lives the entire season, other than like Ross having a kid, is just like each individual cast member dating and then not dating a bunch of people. Rachel had an Italian boyfriend for a good little yeah, while Paolo. who was amazingly familiar with the books that Chandler's mom writes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Into erotic fiction. Yep. He climbs out onto the, the balcony. Uh, if anyone's seen Friends, you got to get climb through a window to get out onto this balcony because nobody thought to put in a door when they were building it. <laughs> you know, tells them about going to China and Joe he's like like the country and he's like no like the fucking pilot you know the dishes in my mother's cabinet like of course the fucking country he's had a couple of biz <laughs> 
Oh, we will get into that just now. So he asked about Carl and they're like, dude, you gotta, you gotta get over Rachel. Like you need to move on. If you're going to ask her out, you would have asked her out by now. And Gemma has a point. The fuck on. She's, they do have a point. Then Joey says to, to Chan, not to Chandler, to, to Ross, I may only have had a few beers in me, but I love you, man. My note here is basically Joey pulls a Nick and uh, Chandler pulls a John. <laughs> this is, this is a great demonstration of how our friendship dynamics work. <laughs> Hold on. I didn't see those beers. Did you put them in a glass or not? That's very important for how this conversation is going to move forward. Yeah. Are you feeling lesbian or gay today? How you drink your beer will tell. So, hey, my question for you guys is how many beers do you need to drink before expressing verbal affection for your male friends and it's not gay anymore? I don't know. I fall unconscious first. <laughs> I think it's uh, around what Joey says. I think it's around two. <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm unconscious before any affection gets out let's be honest <laughs> that is true that is true john is as cuddly as a puffer fish that is well emotionally physically i'm quite cuddly my, my self-esteem is terrible so any excuse to get a hug and he's got a girlfriend so he has regular access to hugs <laughs> I need more. I need more. Well, I'm not coming over next weekend. And Chandler's only had one beer, so uh, he's only going to tell Ross that he thinks he's swell. That's what I said. He, pu- he pulls the drum. <laughs> no, that is, again, far too affectionate. <laughs> <laughs> So we actually meet Joey's girlfriend. Uh, turns out she, her her business is making fruit baskets, and she's got two partners in the business. They call themselves the Three Basketeers. Uh-huh. Which would have been fine. It's a bit of a bad pun, but it would have been fine if they didn't feel the need to explain it. Right, but I think they make fun of Joey for explaining it. Don't care. Uh, no, the idea is that it's incredibly dull, and Chandler kind of points that out. You just sort of, oh, and just leaves it there. (laughs) (laughs) Still, don't care. You know, it can be a kind of bad, bland pun. Just leave it. So Rachel's here at this point for the party. Ross has left. And everyone's clearly hungry and wants food, but because she's a brat, she insists on opening (laughs) her birthday presents first. Yeah. (laughs) Mike's like, hey, should I put the burgers on? And she's like, no, presents. Mine. 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 A 12-year-old at Christmas. Literally like a 12-year-old. So Monica pulls Joey aside to talk about the girl, and Joey's like, hey, I think she kind of wants to fuck tonight. Like, I don't know what to do about it. Monica's like, hey, have you thought about being there for her? You know, the mistake she makes is she doesn't add, if you know what I mean. Yeah, see, Monica, well, it's not really Monica. It's when talking to Joey, (laughs) you need to put that onto the end of the sentence. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, she's basically saying, give her oral sex. And Joey does no comprehendo. (laughs) Which just brings up a question in my mind, though. Not necessarily about Joey and his comprehension and everything like that. The people who are conducting this study, how would they know? That's so true. Something in your semen. They, like, do a dick swab beforehand to make sure it hasn't been Maybe the study is something to do with quantity. I don't know. Yes, because if I had sex and then had to go to a clinical trial later, I sure as hell wouldn't wash first. Because Joey cares about science. <laughs> That's why you would wash because you care about science and you want to have the best samples possible. You don't want contamination. And yes, out of context, that does mean girls icky. <laughs> Rachel is a bitch about some of her presents, right? No, Scrabble sucks. But it's travel Scrabble. I say especially travel Scrabble. <laughs> 
especially my god but the thing is because like in watching this went from the pilot to the finale and i don't know friends that well this is kind of why i wanted to watch episodes in between because chandler gives her travel scrabble and joey gives her a dr seuss book and i was like is rachel shit at reading comprehension and vocabulary and this is their way of telling her? the thing is i do know this dr seuss book and i loved it as a kid so i kind of warmed up to joey after this it's oh the places you'll go <laughs> yeah oh the places you'll go and i was like oh i get it. because joey would see this as a, anyway. he's like look this book got me through some tough times and it's like that's right <laughs> Melanie says, um, there's a little child inside this man, and Chandler pulls another John joke, which I absolutely love, which is, yes, they say if we remove it, he'll die. (laughs) And just looks deadpan at Melanie, and even guests on the show get their self-esteem destroyed by these people. (laughs) It's so Yep. I mean, I was trying to avoid the we're all Chandler thing, that's why I jumped onto the Phoebe thing early on, but yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Melanie, of course, being Joey's girlfriend in this episode. Rachel opens Ross's present, and she's really touched by it because it's a pin that she saw in an antique store that they had walked past, and she had mentioned that it looked like something her grandmother had. And then Chandler's like, oh yeah, that's Ross. You know, when he was, you know, in love with Carol, he went out and got her a crystal duck. Basically revealing that Ross absolutely loves her, and that And literally everyone else realized this except for Rachel. I mean, look, you need to smack me in the face with a frying pan for me to understand that you're into me. Like, I get it. I get it. Hold on. I need to update my notes. No assaulting Nick with cookware. <laughs> he will take this as a come on. It will on. not be taken the way you intended to go. <laughs> Chandler's trying to walk this back, and he's just like, oh, I love this line. And again, this is just Joey being sarcastic because he's like rubbing his you know, fingers against the side of his head, being like, oh, fuck, what do I do, what do I do? And Joey just says, yeah, just keep rubbing your head. That'll turn back time. <laughs> <laughs> Great line. Very nice, very nice. And then Rachel is stunned as we cut to commercial. Fade back in, and she's like, this is unbelievable. And no, Rachel, he literally told you he had a crush on you in high school in the first fucking episode. This is very believable. This was the main reason I wanted to put this season on in the background to see just how unbelievable it was. And from what I got through, I kind of get it. You know, Ross didn't do the follow-up on would it be okay if I asked you? I kind of just took it as he understood that it was still, wasn't that still her wedding day? (laughs) Or maybe the day after? So I understand not pursuing it, but then like there was the friend zone conversation with Joey and Ross has already waited too long. That was like the third or fourth episode, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And then, like, she had a boyfriend, and, you know, he's just there to comfort her when they break up. Of course, he has the ulterior motive of being the first guy that she sees, and that's supposed to make her attracted to him. Ross is an asshole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from what I saw, I, I totally get that she's just not seeing him that way. Nope. But yeah, so Bye. so everyone makes out like this is such a big deal, that this is huge, and Chandler says, no, no, it's small, it's tiny, it's petite, it's wee. And my note is obligatory Jules penis joke. I mean, dating joke. <laughs> and yet you're the only one on the podcast with a girlfriend. That's, that's fucking weird. It's not that weird. <laughs> actually, yeah, given that you and me, John, it actually makes a whole fuck ton of sense. I don't give a shit. I, 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 but yeah, I, they, they I stop making care. out like this is such a huge deal. Like, I don't think any of our lives will 
ever be the same. And it's just like, fuck off. This isn't world war or a pandemic, Phoebe. This is dating. And how long has Rachel known Ross? A year? How long have they all known Rachel? A year? Ridiculous line. Well, no, Monica's known her since high school and she knew Ross in high school because they were all like, yes, but they weren't close friends and all the time between high school and now, you know? So anyway, she's like, oh, I gotta go fucking tell Ross right now as he's flying to China and we'll be back in a week. I just gotta wait. Apparently Ross's plane is gonna leave in 45 minutes. And no, there's no fucking way from Manhattan you're getting to any New York City airport in 45 minutes and getting to the fucking gate. Like, no, that's not happening. Even if you take a fucking taxi, no. There's this weird miscommunication where it's like she's gonna rush to him as if he's already in China because... I think it's Monica who shouts, like, what about the time difference? And then Chandler's like, from here to the airport? <laughs> no, Chandler says, what about the time difference? And Monica's like, from oh, here to the, the airport? Okay. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. But yeah, Rachel doesn't even know what she's going to say to him and uh, says, oh. It's cool. Uh, she won't think about it on the way either. She'll realize when she sees him. And that's when Phoebe grabs the photo and says, well, does this help? <laughs> that's in front of her face again yes seriously if it weren't for the bubbliness i'm i'm phoebe (laughs) fair enough just imagine the way chandler would have done that move and this is not the only time we have a fucking rush to the airport storyline in this show like this show gets off on characters racing after each other to the airport 80s and 90s possibly even before that just got off on this Mm -hmm. the running through the airport was a very very common staple of um you know romantic comedies and such until a certain particular event happened and you couldn't go more than like 30 yards into an airport it's so crazy that you didn't need a boarding pass to go through security you killed romance thanks ben laden (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Ben Laden. But it's, Dick. I, I, I never understood. <laughs> it's the worst thing he did. Security was almost non-existent. They kind of x-rayed your bag and that was it. And you could literally walk all the way up to the gate to see someone off or see them when they got back. I always never understood this because, I mean, maybe this was ingrained in me, but we were always like at the airport when I was a kid at like two, three hours before a flight. So why was there any sort of a rush? That's like an eternity. You could walk in and just go through and get there, but... You didn't have, you know, pre-boarding or online check-ins or anything like that. So you had to get there early to stand in line to check in your flight and they knew you were there and all that sort of stuff to be able to get there. It wasn't security. That was relatively quick. It's very much the opposite now. Now you have to be there four hours in advance just because of the goddamn security line. (laughs) So my note here now is, wow, 90s airplanes. Holy fuck. (laughs) They look so weird. United's a terrible airline and they still look shit back then. United, you're god-awful. You're a garbage airline, and you should be fucking ashamed of yourself. Anyways. Well, you you missed an opportunity. This failed romance scene is brought to you by United Airlines. (laughs) This failed romance scene is brought to you by United Airlines. United (laughs) Airlines, fuck you, passengers. 
it's so crazy to think that this was filmed in an era when you could still smoke on airplanes. For real. Up until 2000, you could still smoke on airplanes. It's crazy. Weirdly, air was cleaner on the airplane. Yep. Really? Because of mm-hmm. the filters for smoking. Because of, one, the filters and bringing in fresh air to help get rid of the smoke. Instead, they just recycle yeah. the same air over It's, it's over the reason for deep vein thrombosis. Wow. That's actually caused by poor air quality, not the actual pressure. Huh. The things you learn. But I think like with COVID-19, they've put the filters they might back have been. No, yeah. for the time. But only because they have to. Improve our air travel house. Smoke! <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Maybe if we could just have a smoking section on the plane, you know, just have one of those blanket curtains that you draw. How does the smoke know where to go? (laughs) Because there's signs. I distinctly remember as a kid, my mother would periodically get up on the airplane and walk forward to the smoking section. Like she would always book us the seats in the non-smoking section because she didn't want us to be exposed to the cigarette smoke. (laughs) Like it helped. But then she would like smoke in the fucking house. So go fucking figure. I remember when they were very gradually working on getting rid of smoking sections in restaurants. Like it was blocked off. There was like a glass blocked off smoking section. <laughs> yep. So it's almost like a zoo attraction. Where it's like, <laughs> here's your table, and there's the smokers. You get to sit next to the smokers and watch them. Try not to make faces. <laughs> You'll agitate the smoke. Oh, they're pulling out another one. You did it now. In 2011, I think you could still smoke in bars in Virginia. Like I, I went into a bar in Virginia and people were still smoking in there. I was back in Indiana a couple of years ago. You can still smoke in bars. <laughs> Crazy. So yeah, Ross is listening, you know, as he's boarding the plane, get it. He's listening to Mandarin language learning tapes on his Walkman. And I think that's the most 90s thing I have ever said. <laughs> In my life. (laughs) And so Rachel tries to get on board, but uh, I have this lady down as hot 90s Maria Bamford, and she says, no, you need a boarding pass. And again, it just astonishes me that pre 9-11, you could just walk, get to the fucking gate without a boarding pass. Tells her that she wants to give him a message uh, to Ross. He's in a blue jacket. What's the message? I don't know. I've had 40 minutes to fucking think about this. (laughs) (laughs) But okay, tell him this, tell him this. And so she walks in and walks past Ross and sees a different guy with a blue jacket. Wrong message. Yeah, this is a guy in his like 50s or 60s with a wife. And so he comes, she comes up to him and says, hey, I got a message from Rachel. Uh, She says, thank you very much for the present and she'll see you when you get back. And the wife just gives him a death stare. And that airline representative just ruined this man's relationship. And his vacation. I think that's something we have to start doing is just start sending messages that Rachel loves the presents and she'll see you when you get back. (laughs) Every single one that I send will say, I would like to see you in my dressing room. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's ties are crazy. He's wearing an orca and dolphin tie. There are orcas and dolphins on his tie. It's crazy. So back at Joey's apartment, he's made his girlfriend come so hard she almost blacked out. Mm-hmm. That's They don't say it that explicitly, but that is what they are implying. And she's like, all right, now we got to do something for you. And he's like, oh, nope, nope. Uh, we'll just keep focusing on 
you again. And she's like, you are going to get so many fruit baskets after all this. Now, you'll notice she did not say if you know what I mean, because this will not be a euphemism for something else. <laughs> no, no. Literally, there will she be fruit baskets. She talks about how giving Joey is. He's practically a woman and Joey can't help but smile. Hey, fellas, is it transgender to sexually gratify a woman? No, just gay. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> Nothing gayer than having sex with a woman. That was uh, the plot point in The Sopranos <laughs> with Uncle Junior. Yes, it was. Because if you're going to, you know, do oral on a woman, well, you you do anything. And the, the woman who gets told that is like, how does that even make sense? <laughs> They're totally different things. <laughs> it makes about as much sense as Joey's sexual generosity making him practically a woman. Like, holy fuck. Because he's not selfish. So women are all naturally generous? I've met women. That's that's not true. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. very that not true. I mean, sometimes you have to remind them. That's why the Bible tells them to submit. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, according to the Bible, you, you can't teach a man, ladies. You need to shut the fuck up and just sit down. Read your Bible. And that is New Testament, by the way. You can't pull the Old Testament doesn't matter. That is yeah. New Testament. That is New Testament. Do not permit a woman to teach or uh, something like hold any position of authority over a man. She must be silent. Anyways, again, because we just don't want to talk about this show. So in the apartment, uh, Phoebe and Monica are pressing Rachel about what she's going to do about Ross. And she's like, after being indecisive for a bit, she's like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. And Monica gets very excited because they're going to be friends-in-law. To which I say go for it. You mean what? Like grab his itinerary and then get on a plane as well? and track him down i think it's more like hey when he gets back i'm gonna be like i'm gonna go for it i'm gonna ross needs a bone go give him that bone or yeah, go take and his now bone. chekhov's itinerary's not coming back <laughs> chekhov's itinerary no this itinerary will not go off at any point neither will the bone if you know <laughs> what i mean i do know what you mean only because you said do you know what i mean right because otherwise i would have been a fossil at this point all the friends <laughs> get super judgy and start making a second guess guess herself and like Monica full on calls Rachel out for dumping her brother even though they haven't even started dating yet. These are self-esteem killers. This is why Rachel hesitates. Right because they're like hey it's gonna be like you know you already know each other really well it's like you're gonna be starting at the 15th date and Phoebe's like yeah so basically you're already gonna be like super relationshipy and committed and no that's not how fucking dating works. Yeah you know each other better but it's still gonna be the first date like they haven't boned yet. Like by the 15th date some some fucking has happened well rub it in why don't you i'm gonna rub it out That's what I have to do. You know, dates, isn't rub it in with a Chinese bone, if you know what I mean. Rub it in, rub it in. <laughs> Monica gets really weird pressing Rachel about her brother not being good for you. Like, are you breaking up with... It was weird. It was a weird sequence. But stepping out of, you know, being overly critical of shit, it was a fun back and forth. Yeah, it was yeah. fun. They, they, they played it well. They had, they had good energy. So now Joey comes out of his room while uh, Chandler's eating cereal to brag about how awesome he is at giving his girlfriend orgasms. And my note here is this moment of Joey bragging about getting his girlfriend off is brought to you by Captain Crunch (laughs) Crunch Berries. Captain Crunch, the roof of your mouth can go fuck itself. <laughs> the roof of your mouth can get fucked as hard as Joey's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Chandler's like, yeah, I know. It's almost like my room's right next to yours. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's all we need to talk about in that scene. Uh, so Rachel continues to show that she doesn't appreciate her friends' gifts by wearing a skirt that she got that when she exchanged the blouse that Monica got her. Yeah, dick move to pull on your roommate. But on the other hand, it's a hell of a lot better garment than that blouse, I must say. It was a great trade-up. But to flaunt it around and be like, oh, it's a gift from who? From you, because I took that shitty thing you gave me back. That's that's just rude. You've lived there for a while. Make up a name. Say it's someone else at the cafe. Say who it's knows? fucking Chandler's Travel Scrabble. I mean, for fuck's sake. There is no way that you are getting a skirt like that for <laughs> Travel Scrabble. Maybe if you threw in some Dr. Seuss and a fruit basket. Okay? <laughs> but that's pushing it still. With the amount of fruit baskets that Joey's getting, I think she could make the basket work out. Uh, so Monica happens to just drop casually that she, the exact gate where Ross will be arriving today. Rachel confides in Monica that she doesn't think she's gonna date Ross after all because like look it'd be like she was dating the whole group and that's a lot of pressure and Monica proceeds to validate her fears <laughs> by putting a lot of pressure on her. So Monica despite acting crazy and weird convinces Rachel that she's not going to act crazy and weird if she dates her brother. By the way Monica like and Ross are just really Broy towards each other in terms of like each other getting laid. Like they are really supportive of each other and their endeavors there. Uh, yeah, then we find out that Rachel is on a date with this guy Carl again. And Monica's all behind my brother's back is exactly the kind of crazy thing you want to hear from me you know <laughs> exactly she catches herself there so cut to all the fruit baskets <laughs> i have all to of say them. this <laughs> is yes. a great channel line <laughs> as joey arrives with his paycheck he says oh you did it do we have any fruit <laughs> yeah Yeah, joey got his money he shows off his check and despite everything he learned like you know being very generous in the bedroom uh, he's just gonna go back to boating regular old boating because he's like look when a blind man gets his sight back does he walk around like this and he like closes his eyes it's kind of donald trumpian almost (laughs) in retrospect yeah my note here is no blind dude has ever walked like that i have never met a blind person and i guarantee you they do not fucking walk like this i have known a few blind people (laughs) a friend of mine got married to a blind lady and no they don't walk around like that but then we get carl he goes on a fucking tesla rant it's hilarious (laughs) he got triggered by seeing a picture of Ed Bagley Jr. driving one of his electric cars. He's like, if I got to see another picture of Ed Bagley Jr. driving one of his electric cars, I'm going to blow my brains out. And please do, dude. You're an asshole. Like You're fucking insufferable. The world would be a better place if you shot yourself in the head. I did not know that Ed Bagley Jr. was like a huge early proponent of electric cars. I had to do some research on this. Like since the 70s, he's like, that's been his primary mode of transportation. So something I like bringing up often, it's usually on the topic of Hollywood is out of ideas and nothing. All they're doing is remakes and sequels. Nowadays, this falls for people of how all the people nowadays with their electric cars, I'm like, this show's almost 30 fucking years old, man. It's not a new concept. <laughs> no, literally there have been electric cars as long as there have been cars. Like, we almost had our entire car infrastructure built around electricity. They didn't really have the technology to make it incredibly feasible then. But it was a choice. It yeah, was a it choice. was a choice. And then and 
Anyway. We are where we are. So she zones him out and basically hallucinates Ross, convincing her to date him. Yeah, so even in her imagination, Ross is an asshole. But also she <laughs> claims that Ross is, like, her best friend. And I, I just feel, like, really bad for Monica at this point. Yep, good point. Great point. Ooh, you're making me live. <laughs> Whenever this works. Anyway. <laughs> Great queen reference. Um, so convinced by kissing an imaginary Ross to give him a chance as a boyfriend. Lies to Carl about needing to pick someone up at the airport, and nobody in New York City has ever needed to pick somebody up from the airport. <laughs> Never, ever, ever. <laughs> like, you need to get picked up from LAX, I promise you, but not LaGuardia, not fucking JFK. They have taxis. And so she just leaves him on the balcony. Yeah. Yes, at like the tail end of her birthday party. She scheduled a, well, no, 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 the birthday party happened. No, it's not the birthday party, but she leaves him on the back and it's like, yeah, you know the way out. Yeah, you finish your drink and then get the fuck out of here on your own. Just leave a random New Yorker in your apartment. I would not leave this guy anywhere. He's not random. He's (laughs) Carl, the asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Why, but that just sounded like one of those. infomercials (laughs) infomercials <laughs> wrote me 69.99 you get carl the asshole <laughs> so she goes to the airport and the couple that was f- that got told given the rachel message is still fucking fighting yes that's what i mean by that united airlines employee ruined this man's marriage they have been gone for a week because whenever i travel to a place i always return with the exact same people on the plane but yeah that couple is still fighting about who in the hell Rachel is. <laughs> JFK, like New York to Beijing, is between 13 to 18 hour flight, depending on how you do it. That's a long ass fucking flight. I think low end has to be even longer because I had a flight from New York to, uh, or from uh, Japan to Newark. That's where I had that nine hour layover was after a flight like that. And I mean, that was 14 and that was Tokyo. That's a long ass fucking it's flight. It's a long mm-hmm. ass, that was a long week and two long fights. That was a long week and two long flights of fights of who's Rachel. (laughs) See, now I'm just imagining John on the airplane just fighting (laughs) random passengers to pass the time. One of them happened to be particularly long. And I'm doing my Batman voice to ask who Rachel and where she is. (laughs) John vacation right there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is where uh, we find out that Ross is coming off of the airplane with a new girlfriend. We will find out as Julie. And uh, this is the point at which Ross full on acknowledges that all his friends will judge and ridicule his new girlfriend, Julie. But because Ross is the worst, he's like, oh, yeah, they're totally going to judge you and look down on you. And I can't wait to subject <laughs> you to that. <laughs> And Rachel's there with a bouquet of flowers, and she sees him coming off the plane with a girlfriend, so womp womp. That's literally how it ends. That's literally how it ends. Yep. All right, and that was Friends Season 1, but before we go, as millennials, we know that every movie and TV show has a moral, so Jules, what did you learn today? Well, that your friends are never there for you, only people you haven't seen since high school. (laughs) And John? I learned it's astonishingly easy for scientists to know the last time I had sex. (laughs) (laughs) And I learned that because I don't need to consume copious amounts of alcohol to tell my male friends that I care about them. I'm gay. It's Pride Month when we're recording this. Just got to let you all know. Mm, (laughs) We'll talk. (laughs) 
<laughs> and before we go, we of course need to tell you what we're doing next time. So, John, what do the folks at home have to look forward to? They can look forward to getting the hell out of the U.S. finally. We are going <laughs> across the pond and paying a visit to the beloved children's series, Postman Pat. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be so ridiculous. It's going to be ridiculous. American listeners, it's a wild ride. You're Three not going to want to miss this. Three grown men watching Postman Pat. This is... <laughs> I never would have guessed. We already have conspiracy theories about the show. We already, ha- we already have them that we've been discussing <laughs> for a long true. time. <laughs> And John, do you have a re- do you have a review to get our listeners excited for Postman Pat and his black and white cat? I do. I have one that weirdly comes across as a bit of "Hey there, fellow high schoolers." <laughs> Postman Pat was one of my favorite TV show since I was a little human. <laughs> I even feel chills in my spine and a great feel of nostalgia hearing the song again after many many years of not watching. <laughs> Watching this show will make you want to go, or at least, at least is one word, (laughs) or at least think, what if our world is like in the town where Postman Pat lives? Clean, peaceful, friendly neighborhood, no life problems, and et cetera. (laughs) I can't can't wait to be thrown back to when I was a little human. I really... (laughs) Do you get great feel of nostalgia, even if you have not watched? At least. (laughs) And etc. <laughs> and etc. <laughs> uh, and that's our show. If you liked it, please subscribe. If you loved it, please share it with all your friends. And whether you liked it or loved it, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can to help others find us. Also, be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Links to all of that are in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Millennial Rewind. If you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) I am absolutely leaving that in.